Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. I'm Pastor TJ. It's good to see everybody here today. Welcome to everybody online. It's good to have you with us as we start our Christmas season. How many of you know that Christmas can be a little busy? How many of you have already encountered the busyness of the season, right? Where it's just nuts. Um, I was looking back at our family as if Christmas isn't busy enough. We, you know, we have our youngest is born, you know, his birthday is, is right in the middle, right toward the end of December, you know, December the, uh, the 19th. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. As if it's not busy enough. We got a birthday party to plan and stuff like that. And if we're not careful, I think sometimes we run through the season and we forget to pause. We forget what Christmas is all about. All these holidays. I remember a few years ago, my father, the last year he was around, um, he kind of knew. He knew he was getting ready to check out. He knew that God was calling him home. So I remember he declared, he said, this is going to be my last year of everything. I'm like, yeah, dad, whatever. I remember we had Thanksgiving and I decided on that Thanksgiving, um, I was going to do something different with the turkey. I was going to smoke my first turkey. It was going to be great. Brined it and all this stuff got ready. So I woke up bright and early about 4.30 in the morning. I go into the kitchen and my dad is sitting there waiting for me. I went, oh, no. Now, my dad, he used to give old people a bad name. He was a late riser. You know, most older people get up early, super early. Not my dad. My dad would sleep. So I walked in. I said, hey, dad, what's going on? He goes, well, I'm here to help you. He says, more specifically, he says, I heard about you wanting to smoke this turkey. He says, I hope you understand this. He goes, this is my last, my last Thanksgiving. He goes, and if you screw this up, you're going to ruin all Thanksgiving for us. So I'm here to make sure you don't screw it up. I'm like, thank you, my little ray of sunshine. So 4.30, we're in there doing the turkey, and we're talking. I put the turkey on the smoker and get all ready. He turns to me and goes, hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you make a fire? It's November in Wisconsin. There's snow all over the place. We go in the main room, make a fire. He says, sit down. Make me some coffee. Make me some coffee. It was about that point, about 5.30 in the morning. And we just sat there, and we decided to chat. And I realized after about an hour, this was my dad's initial plan anyway. And we sat there, and we laughed. We sat there and we cried, we told stories, and we just enjoyed the beauty of the season. We took the pause to really focus again on what's important around Christmas time. Um, sometimes, beloved, the holidays for us is just something that we try to endure. Sometimes we forget, again, what's really important with all this stuff. It's not just about the lights and the presents and the yummy food. And, and understand this, I am all for the yummy food. But it's deeper and it's stronger and it's more than that. Sometimes we forget what the arrival of Christ really means for us. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about when Jesus came to the planet, how did that impact us practically? How did it impact the world thousands of years ago? And and what does it mean for us today? We started a few weeks ago with looking at, at hope and how important it is for the church to be the keepers of hope. Do you understand? We are the keepers of hope. That candle of hope never burns out in the church. We cannot be the ones that are going, the sky's falling, the sky's falling, the sky. That can't be us. We're the ones that point people to a better time, to a better place. And we looked at, at how we can regain hope if we've lost it. And then last week we looked at peace. We looked at how God's peace is a byproduct of having your hearts and your minds rooted in Christ. Peace is like a belly button. You got innies and outies. Peace is an innie. If your peace is connected 
to Jesus, then your environment doesn't dictate your peace. God dictates your peace. So today we take another step. Today we talk about one of the most incredible things that humans could experience, joy. Now sometimes, if you're like me, and sometimes in the heaviness of the seasons, joy may be a little hard to come by. Have you ever asked yourself that question? How can you experience joy when everybody around you is going bananas? When you're already behind with Christmas, you've got bacon to do, you've got cookies to do. Yesterday, last night, we did ornaments as a family. You ever do those fun activities? And in your head, you know, in your head, they play out like a Hallmark movie where everybody sits down and there's Christmas music playing and there's cocoa and the kids are all well-behaved, happy with each other, smiling. You know, for every kid you add, you add another degree of chaos, Right? <laughs> You start off and everything's great, you know, you're singing, by the end it's like, fa-la-la-la-la, just shut your face, right? You want to be done with it all. Have you ever had those experiences? Sometimes we forget when you get engaged into the holidays that joy is part of the Christmas story. Endurance isn't part of the Christmas story. Suck it up, buttercup, isn't part of the Christmas story. It's joy. In fact, joy came out right with the announcement of the angels. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2 real quick. We're not going to live here today, but this is going to be our launch pad. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 8. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ of the world, or the Christ, who is Christ the Lord. So with the birth of Christ came the good news that he's here, good news of great joy. Now when you look at joy, uh, what do you think of? Joy is one of those words that's uh, it's, it's, it's wide, it's, it's deep. And all of us have got different understandings and maybe some mindsets of what joy is. Joy is a very complex thing, kind of like love. So what does joy look like for you today? What does it look like for me? Well, to get you started, sometimes it looks like this. Take a look at this. Isn't it funny that even in the midst of pain, you can experience joy? We just watched people losing their minds, falling off of houses, pets running into stuff. And what did we do? We laughed. Why did we laugh? Well, because you can actually have the complex emotion of joy and pain. We can. You can experience all those things. You know, we laughed. You know, laughing's good for you. Do you know that it's okay for you to experience joy and laughter in God's house? Some of you grew up with some of your faith traditions, and when you entered God's house, your church, you were as quiet as a church mouse. You were afraid that if you even smiled and had any type of enjoyment at all, that God was going to zap you. You know, like, you know, you put that, that, that hot dog in the microwave for like two minutes. You know what that thing comes out like, right? At two minutes. But you know that God built you to experience joy. He did. He built us to laugh. It's a good thing for us. In fact, these are some of the benefits of laughing and experiencing joy. Medical things. Laughter relaxes your entire body. Did you know that? After you laugh, you have a good laugh. You have relaxation, the tension in your muscles, you know, for 45 minutes, you're kind of loosey-goosey. You know that laughter boosts your immunity system. 
Your immune system is boosted with laughter. It creates hormones uh, that help to, to, to boost your immunity and to fight uh, uh, disease and stuff like that. Laughter triggers the release of endorphins uh, and it gives you those natural feel-good body chemicals. They promote an overall sense of well-being and temporarily they even can relieve pain. Do you know laughing can relieve pain? Isn't that nuts? Laughter protects your heart. When you laugh, it improves the function of your blood vessels and increases the blood flow, which means laughter can actually keep you from having a heart attack. Did you ever think about that? This is my favorite. Laughing burns calories. Did you know this? They should teach. Why, Jerry, why aren't we teaching this in school? We should. Laughing for 10 to 15 minutes a day can burn approximately 40 calories. For every 15 minutes you laugh, you burn 40 calories. You laugh for an hour, that's half of an Oreo. <laughs> Feliz Navidad, you're welcome. <laughs> Laughter helps to lighten emotional stress. Nothing diffuses conflict faster than a shared laugh. Do you know that laughter also helps you socially? Laughing with others helps you to create a shared experience that brings you closer together, all from laughter. And finally, laughter may even let you live longer. Are there any Norwegians in the house today? Anybody from Norway? We got one in the back, that's good. A study in Norway, I don't even know why they're doing studies like this in Norway. They determined, they found that people with a strong sense of humor outlive those that don't laugh as much. I didn't even know that the Norwegians were funny. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Well, maybe that's why they did the study. Wait a second. Why are the Greeks so much happier than us? We don't understand. Let's do a study, right? Laughter is good for you medically, but you know what? The Bible has something to say about joy and laughter as well. Proverbs 17, says this, a joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. How many to you those words ring true? right? This is what Nehemiah 8.10 says. It says, this sacred day before our Lord, don't be dejected and be sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's a beautiful verse. God's joy is our strength. It's the heart of God for us to experience and to walk in joy. So how do we as believers, how are we able to walk in joy in a world today that seems to be dark, dreary, afraid, and joyless? I think we can walk in joy if we have two things going for us. We see two things today. First, we start to see our world through God's perspective. We see the world the way he sees it. And two, we start to operate underneath God's presence. Perspective, presence. Perspective, presence. Let's start with God's perspective. It's almost impossible to experience the joy of the Lord apart from seeing your world the way that God sees your world. I mean, how you see your world directly you know, impacts you and the posture of your health personally. We looked at that thing about joy. But do you know that how you see your world through spiritual eyes will also affect who you are spiritually and affect the entire world around you? In fact, listen to this. This is a strong statement, but it's true. I believe joy is an essential marker for all believers that want to grow dynamically in your faith. I don't believe you can fully walk and be a fully devoted follower of Christ and not exhibit the fruit of the Spirit that is joy. Now, for years, you know, when you think of, you know, people from church, sometimes we get the images of, how many of you remember when Dana Carvey was the church lady on Saturday Night Live? You remember? You know why that, 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 that was so successful? I mean, other than it was really funny. Because everybody could relate to that. 
Because everybody knew somebody in their church that was like that. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And, you know, you know what made them happy was to see other people unhappy. You know, they kind of crack a smile, right? Beloved, that's not, that's not abundant life. That's not, what God, you know, that's not what he promised us. It's not at all. So how do we, how do we, do we see things through the eyes of joy? I mean, where does joy come from? Joy is a byproduct of, of a healthy faith. Joy is a byproduct of hope. Joy is a byproduct of the spirit moving and working in your life. All of that starts with your perspective, how you see things. When you see your, your life, your world through God's eyes, your environment does not dictate your joy. God does. Anytime you focus on your environment, if the things around you are there only to bring you, you pleasure and to bring you joy, beloved, your joy is temporary, it's not eternal. God didn't build us to operate like that, he didn't. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us that produces these fruit. You see, when you see things through God's perspective, you can see past your temporary pain and focus on the work that God's doing in your heart now. All of us experience pain from time to time. If you can see the big picture the way God does, then you can endure anything with joy. This is what James 1, 2 through 4 says. It says, my fellow believers... When it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then your endurance grows even stronger. It, re it will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. How on earth can you and I have joy when we face our difficulties and trials? It's easy. It's where you start. It's your focus. We're not just focused on the pain and the issues in front of us. You can't just stay focused on the temporary pain. You have to look past the struggle and the pain to the joy. If you can do that, then you can see all these things that God allows to come into your life as things that help to form you. Trials make you stronger. They make your roots grow deeper. Trials mature you. They help you to grow. Beloved, pain is temporary. Resistance is temporary. It is. It's a means to an end. I remember back in the day when I was, you know, when I'd compete and play football and stuff like that, we would lift weights. How many of you know you work out, you lift weights? You know what that is? It's pushing, it's resistance. Resistance used in the right way, put in the right box, helps to produce muscle. It makes you stronger. It makes you healthier. It helps you to grow. The same thing happens to us spiritually. Those things could help you to grow if you let them. If you focus on them and you see them in the wrong light, the wrong way, they'll destroy you. For example, um, I had last week one of the worst things happen to me that could happen to any Greek on the planet. Now, I, think, I don't think this is just specific to Greeks, but this is close to my heart. I was eating dinner, and I bit down, and I broke a tooth. Now, this was sad on a lot of occasions, or for many different reasons. One, um, you never want to uh, break a tooth when you're eating dinner. Two, anything for a Greek that messes with our ability to consume food is an issue. And I'm going to throw a third in there. We are at the precipice of an incredible holiday season with feasting and things. Now, I don't know what you, you, when you look at Christmas, I don't know what you think of. I don't know if you think of Christmas cards. I don't know if you think of Christmas carols. I don't know if you think of toys. I don't know if you think of joy with family. My sole focus 
All that stuff's good. But just, yeah, bring it all close. My sole focus is the holiday meal. Notice I put the S on that? All the things that you eat, the cookies that you eat. The, and can you imagine entering the holiday season and not be able to partake of that stuff? So I was freaked out. So I called the dentist, and, um, and they got me right in. And I sat down, and I, they, they do what all dentists do. Put you in a chair, you open up your mouth four times wider than God designed it to be open, you know. And they found the sharpest thing they could find in the office, and they started to poke at the places in my mouth that were hurting. As if my word is not enough. But I understand, I understand the process. So she goes in there, she finds it, she goes, is it right here? I'm like, yeah, that's it right there. She goes, well, I got good news for you. She goes, um, we can save the tooth, uh, but you're going to need a root canal. Fa la 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 la. So I'm sitting in the chair, I said, well, you know, she goes, it's a good eating tooth. I said, well, let's save it. If, it's, if I need it for eating, let's save it. So she goes, I happen to have a lady here right now. She could do it right now. Do you want to get it done right now? I said, let's do it. You know, the quicker we get this done, the quicker I get to eat. So they get me all in there, put the stuff in there. She starts poking around. You know, how many of you know the, the dentist procedure? How many of you like going to the dentist? What? Are you serious? I, I don't understand that. We got to pray for her after the service. Trish, she's right back there. Pray for her after the service. So I go in there to give you the Novocaine. You know the, the drill. You're going to feel a little pinch. There's no little pinch. They're putting a needle in your gums. That's what they're doing. So they numb everything up. She waits about six, seven minutes, and she starts to, uh, to go in for the procedure, her and her assistant. They get in there, and they're in about maybe 10 minutes, and they pull the drill out, and all of a sudden, as they get in there, uh, they hit. The Novocaine didn't go all the way to the tooth yet. And I, and I tense up. I, I do this. And she goes, oh, she goes, Mr. Harris, she goes, did you feel that? I go, aha. Uh -huh. She goes, okay, let me try. She just, just she went in, she hit it again. Ah, you, you, you know, oh, I see you're moving. Did you feel that? Yeah, no, no. I'm just practicing my Christmas dance. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, I felt it. She goes, would you like some more Novocaine? Yeah, yeah, Novocaine, yeah. You feel a pinch. Okay, Novocaine. Put Novocaine in there, waited about five, six minutes, started doing stuff. We're about an hour into the procedure. She's coming in the home stretch, and she's getting in there, and she hits the depth, the, you know, the, this deep part of one of my nerves, and like literally, I think my eyebrows curled. And I, and I went like this, she goes, oh, she goes, that really hurt. I go, aha! She stopped everything, she goes, okay. She goes, I can tell you're in pain. I'm sweating, I'm wiggling around in that chair. She said, uh, we, we got it. you got two choices, Mr. Harris. She goes, I can't give you any more Novocaine. She goes, here's your choices. We gotta stop right now, and I have to have you come back at another day so we can finish up, or, so if you trust me, because if you can just suck it up for about five minutes, we're going to get this thing done. Do you want to come back in a couple weeks, or do you want to say, hey, suck it up. Yeah, we're going to get this thing done. So I hold on to that chair. I mean, I think I, I hold. By the way, look at this picture. You could tell this is staged. Nobody's smiling like that. At, well, you are. Nobody's smiling like that at a dentist. So she's drilling. I am squeezing those things. I'm shaking. Ah! I mean, I'm sucking it up, and it, it hurts. And, and I still remember this. She goes, I just need you. She goes, as you're doing this, she goes, you keep your mouth open. The stuff. She goes, and you look at me. She goes, you don't want to flare around. You look at me. And she goes, Mr. look at me. Look at me. I, you know, ah! She says, you look at me, and we're going to get this done. So she gets in her. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bare my soul with you. I needed motivation in that moment. I know I needed motivation. This is my motivation. She'd say, look at her. I kept looking at her. But my other motivation was, if I can just suck it up to get through this, I started to think 
of all of the things I was going to eat through the holidays. So I'm now going, cookies, yeah! Ham, yeah! Lamb, yeah! And I'm just, I'm sucking it up in five minutes. And, it, and I finally, I got through it. What got me through it? She kept saying, son, you know, look at me, look at me. And two, you know what? I kept thinking of all the things that I needed. I was going to eat. What gave me the strength to endure that was knowing that eventually the pain would stop and everything would be okay. Again, eventually the pain would stop. I didn't focus on how bad it hurt then. I focused on eventually the pain's going to stop and I experienced joy in the back end. Mr. Harris, look at me. Look at me. Stay focused on me. Me thinking of the joy that's at the end. The mark of a true believer is that they see how God is using things in their lives to refine them and make them better. How do you get through it from a perspective thing? God looks at you and says, son, daughter, look at me. Don't look at your problem. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. They see joy in their situations because they can see the outcome. They can see the end. You don't just focus on the problem. Through God's eyes, you see how he can use it to make you better, to perfect your faith. All of this comes from trusting God's plan for our life above our own. I had to make a decision sitting in that chair. Do I trust that this dentist knows what they're doing? If I don't trust them, guys, I, I don't go through any of the process. Do you trust God? Do you believe that he can steer you through any situation? Do you believe that he's always about for your good? If you believe him, then trust him. Don't get stuck on the ups and the downs and the temporary things that are going to fade away. Trust him. Be strong. This is what Romans 15, 13 says. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust him. How do you get joy and peace? Trust. As you trust him, you experience joy and peace. Why do we struggle sometimes to experience joy and peace? We don't trust God. Let's just be real. I, I just don't know. Has God ever let you down? Really? Have you trusted him? Really? Has he ever let you down? No. And then look at the back end of this. It says, and may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. How many of you would love to be, you know, you just come in and you just radiate. I don't even know what that sounds like. What does radiate sound like? I want to be that guy. I want to radiate with hope. How does that come? From trusting the more you trust God, the more active the Holy Spirit is in your life. The deeper the moving of the Spirit inside of you, the more peace and the more joy you'll experience. All of this starts with changing your perspective. What you see. When you see things, again, from God's place, you can experience joy even if your road ahead's a little bumpy. When you see things from God's perspective, then verses, you know, those passages like James 1, you know, 2 through 4, all of those make more sense. Here's the question this morning. If you're struggling to find joy or if you're struggling, have you allowed God to shift the way you see? Some of you right now, even before the holidays are in full effect, you've been struggling because of situations and things. God has the ability, the power, and the desire to meet you where you are right now to help you to see things his way. Let's pause. Bow your heads for a second. Think of those things right now that are distressing you out and sucking your joy. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a job. 
Maybe it's financial pressure. Maybe you got bad news from the doctor. I don't know what it is. Right now, have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Just ask him, say, Lord, will you show me what you're trying to do in me through this? Show me, Lord. And listen to what he tells you. The Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. There's nothing intergalactic about me. So it starts with how we see. Lord, give us your eyes. Help us to see ourselves, our situations through your eyes. And then we move from our perspective to living in God's presence. It's one thing to see things from God's point of view, beloved. But it's another thing to cultivate and to live your life from his presence. It's different. His presence is different. Something powerful takes place when you live continually in the presence of Almighty God. Okay, you can open your eyes. What does it look like to live in God's presence? Underneath the shadow of his wings, he's the vine, we're the branches. You see, when we're connected to God, when we live in his presence, you experience the benefits of being connected to God. One of those benefits is joy. This is what Psalm 1611 says. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says, you make known the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I love that. In your presence, Lord, is not just a little bit of joy. It's not, I can smell a whiff of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, you guys know I'm a word nerd. I love to get in and find the meanings of words. That word uh, for, pres- or for fullness in Hebrew is sobah. It actually means this. It means to be fully satisfied. That means there's no room for anything else. Now, this word occurs eight other times in Scripture, and I love this. All the other times in Scripture that, that, that this word sobah is, is used is referring to how you feel after you eat a meal. It's a food reference. Tell me God doesn't love me, right? Sobah. Have you ever had, you know, a good meal? And then you just, you're digest, it's been good, you've anticipated, and the meal was beyond any of your expectations, and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't fit another bite. You ever had those times? How many of you, let's be real, we're all friends here. How many of you actually have that pair of pants that you pull out for special occasions? Dare I call them stretchy pants? You know, the ones that you need. How many, don't put your hand up, but just give me a nod like that. You got that, I see that, I see that head, I see that head. I remember uh, we were in Chicago and we were getting ready to transition to Denver and a bunch of the guys, uh, they wanted to take me out as a going away party. So we went to this place called Fogo de Chao. You ever been to Fogo de Chao? Um, the words, songs, like, you are so beautiful to me. That, those things just, Fogo de Chao, it's just amazing. So if you don't know what it is, it's an all-you-can-eat meat place. But it's not a buffet. I mean, they have a salad bar and stuff they get. It's a meat place where they bring the meat to you. All different types of meat, good meat. Um, and it's just beautiful. I mean, they got salad bars, they got bread, but that's all just a trap to distract you from the meat. So I went there, there was about 18 of us that went there. And we go there and, you know, 
I've learned this about men. It doesn't matter what men are doing. We're always competitive. You know, men can be sitting out, you know, uh, in Target. We're going to be competitively running the carts through the store. Uh, men are competitive whether they're watching teams or, or playing sports. Men are also competitive when they're eating. So there's 18 of us sitting in this room. And what they do is they've got this little circle discard they give you. One side is red, which means stop. And one side is green, which means go or bring me more meat. So I'm sitting there with all these men and we're eating, we're eating. And I realized none of the men will turn their card from green to red. You could turn it to red just to pause, catch your breath, do some stretching, and then you go back to eating, you know? So, you know, one of the guys turned their card from green to red. They said, well, you, 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 can't, you can't handle your meat? Well, I, I, can, I can eat. I can, well, you put your card back. You put your card back. So I ate, like, I've never eaten that much money or ate that much food in my life. And I didn't know, you know that the meat sweats are a real thing? It's true. How many of you ever had the meat sweats? You shouldn't eat that. You just eat it, right? Um, so my most favorite dessert on the planet is tiramisu. They have tiramisu. I've consumed all this meat, and I'm, I'm getting ready just to have a bite of tiramisu. I've never had this happen before or, or since. I've learned my lesson. And as I'm, I'm bringing the, the, the fork of tiramisu to my lips, my body is like, no, stop. And I'm like, it's just, it's air, it's fluffy, it's just tiramisu. It won't hurt anything. And I've never done this before ever. I touched it to my lips. And my body, my arm involuntarily dropped the fork and said, no! Because <laughs> at that point, I thought I was going to ruin Fogo to Chow. Um, there was no room. I was completely full. I was full for like three days, actually. <laughs> I know now what those alligators and stuff do. It was absolutely ridiculous. Can you imagine having so much joy in your life? There's no room for anything else. There's no room for doubt, fear negativity. You are filled so much with joy, so much with God, that there's no room for anything else. Sometimes, guys, I think we get this wrong when it comes to our faith. Sometimes we look at our faith through this lens, all of the things that I can't do anymore, that I need to stop doing, that I need to get rid of my life. And we're always about trying to throw things away and take things away, when really the gospel is not built on taking things away, it's built on abundance. What kind of life did Jesus promise us? Abundant life. So have you ever thought about this? Maybe Christianity isn't about taking all these things away. Maybe it's being so filled with him, there's no room for anything else to grow. Like me at Fogo de Chao. Maybe it's about abundance. You see, this is what happens when you live from the presence of God, when you live under the presence of God, when you live a place of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit operates and he moves in your life. The Holy Spirit cultivates the garden of your heart. You grow good things and there's no place for the bad things to grow. Beloved, if your Christianity, if your faith is just focused on all the things you can't do anymore and you don't replace those things with good things, you will never, ever, ever live an abundant life, live a victorious life. You always be a half step behind. What are you planting in the garden of your heart? You see, when we're connected to the Spirit, we get the benefits of the Spirit. Healthy things grow. What are the things that grow in us? Well, Galatians 5:22 and 23 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. When you're connected to the vine, 
When you allow the Spirit to move in your life, He develops fruit in us and He matures us. And the, the spiritual fruit that we produce isn't just enjoyed by us, but it can be passed along to others. Maybe our world is lacking in joy because we, the ones that are supposed to produce the spirit of joy, that fruit of joy, maybe we're not letting it be produced in us. Have you ever thought about it like that? I mean, you know people. How many of you know people that make you laugh? People that are filled with joy, right? You want to be around people that are filled with joy. Why? Because that, that gift, that fruit doesn't just affect them. It affects everybody else around them. How many of you also know a curmudgeon? Don't point at people. Don't be, I married a curmudgeon. I was looking for the word. Pastor, you gave me the word. What happens when you see those people? What do you do? You hide. You, get, you try to position yourself away so you're not near them, right? Why? Because what they bring affects you as well. When you allow the fruit of the Spirit to flow through the life, you know, through your life, God's abundance just isn't for you, it's for others as well. We share the fruit that we have. One of those fruits that we share is joy. This is why you can have joy even when you, you face dark and difficult times. Joy has to go beyond our temporary circumstances. Now, Jesus modeled this for us. He modeled for us the power of joy. Jesus was so connected to the Father that even when he faced the cross, he was able to look past the cross to the joy that he would experience. Hebrews 12.2 says this. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward in faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you ever think about that? Jesus endured the cross because he was thinking about you. He had joy as he thought about you and the decision that you would make to follow him. That's the power of joy. That's why we needed his believers. So I want to encourage you. Even in this season where you think maybe it's too busy, maybe there's too many things going on, you know, get back to the center of why you do what you do. Why you carry his name as a believer. And instead of just being thrown around like a little tiny boat in the ocean of chaos this holiday season, pause. Remember who you are. Remember who he called you to be. Ask him to change the way you see. And determine now that you're going to live your life in his presence. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. Bow your heads with me. Now, you might be here this morning, you just might need a joy adjustment. Maybe God has got to reorient some things in your heart, bring some things back into place. Maybe you're here today and, man, just the season has overwhelmed you. I want to encourage you today. Allow God to re-anchor you again. You may have lost joy for the moment, but I can promise you this. It's not gone forever. The seeds are there. As long as there is spirit in your lungs, 
as long as the Spirit is moving in your body, joy can come forth again. So talk to the Holy Spirit now. Give Him an opportunity to just readjust you, to re-cement you in His heart. Listen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.